Good morning. Rishi Sunak is about to become the UK's next Prime Minister after winning the Conservative Party leadership contest unopposed. Let's go live to Europe Bureau Chief Hugh Whitfeld at Number 10 Downing Street. Good morning, Hugh. When will he formally take over? Well, Jody, this will all play out later this evening, Australian time. We're pretty familiar with how it all works now, aren't we? Liz Truss will go to see the King to tender her resignation and then Rishi Sunak will visit Buckingham Palace shortly after to be appointed Britain's new Prime Minister after he was elected the new Conservative Party leader unopposed. His sole remaining opponent, Penny Mordaunt, pulled out in the end just minutes before nominations closed. Rishi Sunak was welcomed to the party headquarters with a huge round of applause but now faces the huge task of managing a fractured party and a country in deep financial trouble. It is the greatest privilege of my life to be able to serve the party I love and give back to the country I owe so much to. I pledge that I will serve you with integrity and humility and I will work day in, day out to deliver for the British people. There'll be all sorts of history created when Rishi Sunak enters number 10 as Prime Minister. At 42, he is the youngest British Prime Minister in more than 200 years. He is a practising Hindu, the first Prime Minister to be so, the son of immigrants. He's the first British Prime Minister of Indian heritage, the first person of colour in the role as well. At the same time, though, he's Oxford educated, a former Goldman Sachs banker and partner at a hedge fund and one of the richest people in the country, richer than the royal family, by far the one of the wealthiest MPs in Parliament. His wife is the daughter of an Indian billionaire and together as a couple they are worth more than a billion dollars. So the question will be how can he connect with a British population struggling right now with a crippling cost of living crisis? Jody, We will see. Hewitt Feld in London, thank you. The Albanese government is facing a crucial test as it prepares to deliver tonight's federal budget looking to drive down debt and curb inflation. Political reporter Rob Scott is in Canberra for us this morning. Good morning, Rob. What will be the main themes of this budget? Well, as with all new governments, Jody, the Albanese government will use this budget to deliver its election promises and lay out its priorities for the years ahead. Now, the Treasurer has consistently said this will be a solid and sensible set of books designed to meet the tough times that we're facing. So, in other words, do not expect any cash handouts. But we have been told it will be a family-friendly affair with more support for pensioners and parents and targeted cost-of-living relief in the form of cheaper childcare and medicines, more paid parental leave and fee-free TAFE courses. Now, funding for hospitals and aged care will also be increased substantially and we've been told there could be some relief on the way for surging electricity prices. Booming coal and gas prices, uh, together with $22 billion worth of savings and reallocated funding, will help to halve this year's deficit from $78 billion to $37 billion. But this budget will be delivered against a backdrop of global uncertainty. Rising inflation and high interest rates, meaning economic growth will be revised down and unemployment will be revised up, which means delivering the services Australians have come to expect is getting harder and more expensive. Uh, the Treasurer warning this will be the start of some hard decisions and difficult discussions about how to pay for it all.
Jodie. Okay, Rob, thank you. Thousands of residents across New South Wales remain under evacuation orders as the state anticipates more flash flooding and heavy rainfall. Lismore was spared another deluge with the initial prediction of major flooding revised down to minor. Further inland around Moree, residents are witnessing their worst flooding in a decade. Around 4,000 people in the region are under evacuation warnings. Along the Victorian border, the Murray River has peaked, but floodwaters are moving slowly and they're expected to linger for days. New details have emerged in the investigation into the Medibank cyber attack. News Corp is reporting a Medibank employee with high-level access had their credentials stolen. Those credentials were then sold on a Russian-language online forum. The buyer then allegedly used them to access customer information as well as the insurer's network structure. Medibank hasn't yet revealed how many of its 3.9 million customers have been affected. A large-scale search is underway for one of two men allegedly involved in a jewellery store heist in Sydney southwest. The pair is accused of going into the store, smashing display cabinets, firing a gun and then running off with jewellery. One was arrested but his accomplice left on a motorbike. The loved ones of a murdered Queensland teenager have shared a touching tribute as they come to terms with her death. 18-year-old Emily Thompson met her ex-boyfriend Aaron Huckle at a Brisbane car park on Saturday. Four hours later, he was arrested 80 kilometres away at a service station after Emily's body was discovered in bushland. Emily was a smart, kind-hearted and loving person. A much-loved daughter, sister, granddaughter, cousin, niece and friend. Huckle has been charged with one count each of murder and misconduct with a corpse. He will face court again next Monday. The jury deciding the fate of the man accused of raping Brittany Higgins has been told there's no pressure to reach a verdict quickly. Jurors asked the judge for more time and were told they can and should take as long as they need. The decision on whether Bruce Lehrman is guilty or not guilty of raping the former political staffer must be unanimous. Deliberations will continue this morning. One of the most familiar faces of the COVID-19 pandemic is quitting politics. The New South Wales Health Minister will retire at the next state election. Brad Hazard called his tenure both the best and the worst of times, describing the pandemic as gruelling. After 32 years as an MP, the 71-year-old says he wants a new beginning. 